Welcome to episode 8 of Learning with Young Leaders. Today's guest is Leslie, an INSEAD MBA graduate and co-founder of Cecil, a startup focused on providing financial access to the underserved Indonesian university student segment. Leslie talks about how he managed to enter the finance industry with an engineering degree, the lessons he learned through his startup journey, and how he deals with his emotions when things aren't going smoothly. Be sure to follow our podcast so that you won't miss out on future episodes. Do join our LinkedIn community to stay abreast of our latest updates and connect with like-minded individuals. Now, let's hear what Leslie has for us. Hi, Leslie. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, super excited to speak to you because uh, you have quite the interesting career path, right? So I was looking through like your direction so far and how you've gotten to where you are now. You've had a bachelor in engineering, then you went on to investment banking, and then you took an MBA and now you're in your own startup. Did I get it right? Yes, that's okay. right. Yeah, so maybe we could start at how you actually, okay, maybe the mentality you went into university with, like what kind of a student were you? Do you have any goals that you sought to achieve by the end of university? Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess for me, I think, I think university, well, in terms of goals, at the end of the day, actually, initially I wanted to do a master's. So I think for me, my, my whole mentality of, of university was, I think, obviously do well in undergrad and, and try to get a good score to help me get into a good master's program. So I think that was my initial plan. Um, sort of, uh, I, I did my first summer internship in a, in a sort of small private equity firm uh, and the next one in, in a bank as well. And so that sort of got me interested in working in, in finance and actually I ended up sort of pursuing that full-time upon graduation as opposed to actually going to do my master's. So, so yeah, so that changed so, for me. So were you always like more academically inclined? That's why you wanted to go into master's straight away? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think I, I really do enjoy uh, school and I really do enjoy learning. Uh, I enjoy learning. I don't really like the studying for exams, but, but I think learning new concepts is something that I'm always very interested in. And I think that was also part of the reason why I ended up doing my my master's or my MBA further on, I guess, yeah, three years after I started working, I guess. So, but then you started in, your degree was in engineering, but then you went into finance. How did that transition come about? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess the, it, again, during my internships, I think, I think part of it, part of the, the fact that I didn't study it, you know, made finance very interesting for me. So during the internship, my first internship, I was like, oh, actually, actually this is quite fun. I wouldn't mind exploring a bit more did it uh, again for a second internship and that sort of like convinced me that I wanted to do it uh, full-time after that. And yeah, I, I guess I, I sort of just got really interested in it, started reading up. Uh, I found myself sort of reading up about it more and more sort of outside of school. And yeah, again, that, that, that sort of convinced me that I wanted it to do it full-time and I really enjoyed it after that as well. Do you face any troubles making the transition because you weren't from like a business background per se, but then you pursued finance. Do you face any troubles in that? Definitely. I think, again, it's, it's, I guess, the fact that you don't study it, yeah, I guess you're at a bit of a disadvantage. But, but then again, you know, I think the good thing about, about finance or at least the industry is that I think when they look to hire people, they don't care what sort of degree you're studying in or you're studying for. I think as long as you have sort of the basic prerequisite knowledge uh, about sort of finance and economics, they are, they are very happy to, to bring you in. So I did do a lot of studying outside of, outside of uh, school where, you know, I joined a lot of these societies 
mm. went for a lot of talks, read up a lot of all these you know, career guides and things like that uh, to help me bolster my knowledge. But I think the moment you get to a certain sort of uh, basic level, I think they're, they're very happy to bring you on board. So, so that, was, that was good for me. I see. But I mean, it must have been difficult to enter the industry, right? The investment banking is quite a competitive industry to enter. So how were you able to stand out from your peers? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's tricky. And, and I think at the point in time also when I was applying for jobs, that was the Eurozone crisis. So I think it was, it was a bit more competitive. I think, I think for me, I think what was important is that I think knowing your own strengths and being able to, to sort of talk about it well during interviews, I think is one thing. And again, I think, I think the fact that maybe I came from an engineering background, but again, I did my own research on finance, studied up a bit more about it. I think that helped me stand out as well because I think, I think to a certain extent when they know that you're coming from a, from a background which is not finance-based and then you can talk about it intelligently and then I think that, that sort of helps, you know, it gives them a good impression of you as opposed to anybody who's sort of been studying it. Uh, there's a, they would expect you to have that sort of basic mm. knowledge, right? So I think, I think that to a certain extent worked out in my, to my advantage as well. Okay, so how was the whole investment banking experience? Are the preconceptions true or like, you know, the usual perception of the industry? Oh, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was great. I mean, I, I worked on, uh, so I guess I worked on the, on the trading floor and uh, the sales and trading side of investment banking. So, so, so that was, I don't think there's any sort of work environment which is as, yeah, as interesting as that. I guess, again, the whole open pan office is really noisy. Yeah, so that was, that was, it, was, it was good fun. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed myself. It's not like, like what you watch on, on Wolf of Wall Street anymore. But, but that being said, you know, again, it's, I don't think there's any sort of career which is as interesting or the environment where it's as interesting as that or as noisy as that, I, I guess. So are the hours as crazy as what they always say? Uh, actually, on the sales and trading side, not really. I think the hours are, again, it's like 7 to 7. So it's 12 hours straight. But that's the good thing about sales and trading because the market's sort of close uh, at the end of the mm. day, as opposed to if you were actually on the IBD banking side, I think that's, that's where you really have the crazy hours and you get called in sort of like 1, 2 a.m. For me, again, my, my hours are pretty fixed. My weekends were pretty much untouched because the, the markets were closed. So, so um, it's more of like an intense sort of uh, 10 to 12 hours a day, as opposed to IBD, it's more of like a marathon, right? So you, mm. the hours go longer, but you can sort of have your, your lunch and dinner breaks here and there. So... So this is sort of the two differences between the, the two different types of roles. Okay. What's interesting is you also had an experience overseas, right? In, in another company. Mm, yes. Hong Kong, That's if right. I'm not wrong, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so that was my, my, yeah, my first job was in Hong Kong. Oh, your first job was in Hong Kong. That's interesting. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, uh, so I studied in the UK and I, and at the end, towards the time I was graduating, I actually figured that I still wanted to stay overseas and work. As I mentioned earlier, it was a Eurozone crisis. So I figured my chances of actually staying in the UK to get a job might have been a bit lower. Mm-hmm. So I thought me being Asian, it probably, I probably have a bit more of an advantage applying to an Asian country. So in terms of finance or banking, it's probably Singapore, Hong Kong. And if I wanted to work overseas, then it's going to be Hong Kong. So then I applied there. And thankfully, uh, for some weird reason, I managed to get a job there. So, so yeah, I ended up going there uh, straight after graduating. And yeah, never, I think when I finally went there to interview, I think that was my first time ever in Hong Kong. So yeah, um, just went there on a whim and, and yeah, it was a good experience as well. What's the differences between Hong Kong and Singapore? Ooh, wow. 
I think Hong Kong, at least for me and my personal experience, especially where my office was and, and I guess I stayed nearby. So that was like the whole central Hong Kong island side. I guess I felt like it was a lot more fast paced, a lot more concentrated and almost almost congested to a certain extent. So so you feel like this mass, mass of, of bodies around, buildings are really close. So there's a lot of, yeah, again, it, it, it's, it's uh, a lot of energy there. And then, yeah, you walk across the street at Lang Kwai Fong, which where, where everybody is after work and stuff like that. So, so it's a lot more sort of fast-paced, a lot more energy. Whereas I feel like Singapore is a bit more, um, a bit more calm, a bit more relaxed to okay. a certain extent. But yeah, not the, the buildings aren't so, so close to each other. Um, but I would say again, working styles very similar. I think I think both 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 countries, everybody has a has a very sort of strong work ethic. So yeah, again, good experience there. Hong Kong was fun. That's nice. So how did that transition? How how did you transition from investment banking and then you went in to take your MBA? Yeah. So again, as 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 you mentioned earlier, that that you know my my background was actually in in engineering. So. For me, my whole premise of actually taking my MBA was actually to actually brush up on my finance skills and actually go back into the finance world. So that was actually my intention. But but I guess sort of during the MBA, I sort of got uh, got distracted by the idea of, of, of starting a business and, and eventually ended up doing that rather than going back to, to the finance industry. But yeah, again, my, my main motivations at that point in time was really learn more about finance, uh, go delve deeper into it and sort of go back into the finance industry. Oh, okay, so you took the MBA with the intention of returning to the finance industry after completing it. Yep, exactly right. But you got excited about entrepreneurship and then started your own company instead. Yeah, um, because I think I, the good thing about a lot of MBA programs now is that they, they offer you sort of the flexibility in terms of what you want to sort of study and major in. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a lot of finance modules, but at the same time, I took a lot of entrepreneurship modules as well. And and I guess you could say that that sort of my my current business now is sort of like an intersection between the two, to a certain extent. But yeah, I guess I guess the the pull to start a new business was was too strong, and I ended up going that way. Did you actually expect to enter and start your own business at some point in time? Was it something you were mm. looking to do at any point in time? Not at all. No. If 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 you would have told me that I would have started my own business after my MBA, like right before I started, I would have said you're insane. So yeah, I was I was very comfortable in 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 my I guess my previous roles. So I really thought that I was going to go back there because again I really enjoyed it. So I would not have have thought about it at all. And how has that that transition been like? It's been great. Again, I think I think like like any sort of career, you you've got your ups and downs. I mean, I think running your own business, there's a lot more uncertainty. There's a lot more struggles. There's a lot less stability than a sort of corporate job. But at the same time, again, as many people say, it's, it's a lot more rewarding. To some extent, you're working uh, for yourself and there's a lot of tangible outcomes in terms of your actions. So I think if you work in a corporate job, you're, like a, you're, you're just a small cog in a, in a large machine, right? So, so, so sort of what you do and the work you've done, you sort of your output is it's, it's a small, tiny dot in terms of what everybody else is doing, mm. right? But, but I think if you're doing your own business, when, when you sort of do things, your output is actually very tangible and you can see that and, and that's very rewarding. So how did that idea come to you? Was it, Ooh, what's the backstory uh, of your company? Yeah, so, so I, think, I think a couple of things all, all, all happening at once. So I think one was, uh, was uh, I started with my, my co-founder is, was my classmate and he's a guy called Edward who I'm super, super lucky to have with me on this journey. 
And I think uh, a few things. So I think one is, is when we were doing our MBAs, um, we noticed that a lot of our classmates were actually uh, using this thing called Prodigy Finance, um, where again, they, a lot of them take loans to help them pay off their tuition fees. Mm. Right. My partner as well, you know, personally, he had his own experience when he was doing his undergrad back in Indonesia that, you know, he needed to, to save money to, to buy his laptop. Right. And upon looking closely at Indonesia, again, we saw that, you know, at that point in time, banking penetration was roughly about 20%. Credit penetration, even up to today, is still like, I think, 4%, maybe. Um, so we saw like all these indicators that there's a lot, there's a big need for, for alternative sort of financial solutions for, for students in Indonesia. Uh, and yeah, so so the idea sort of started brewing in our heads and we decided to to work on it upon graduation. So and it's been a great journey so far. It's been four years, right? Yep, coming to about four years. Okay, so your co-founder was Indonesian. That's why you all started in that market. Yes, that's right. Okay, are you all planning to expand overseas anytime soon? Potentially. I mean, I think, I think for us, we see that this is a need, not just in Indonesia, but, but broadly across most of Southeast Asia, at least the emerging markets in Southeast Asia. But right now, I think our main focus still is Indonesia, because I guess there's a lot of different things which you want to try to build out there. But we wouldn't rule out expanding overseas in the future. So how is the, how is the growth like? Has the up- uptake been good? Yeah, I think we've been we've been very fortunate. It's a, it's a very big need for for many for many university students over there. So I think I think that is in terms of solving a need, we have been we've been very lucky. Um, again, we've been very lucky to survive sort of this this four years so far, and hopefully we'll continue to survive. But yeah, I think I think it's been good. Again, we are building out more things, trying to solve more solve more problems for all these students. So I think so far so good. Touch wood. <laughs> what do you think are some of the more interesting lessons that you've learned throughout this journey? Oh, I think for me, the key things that I learned a lot was how underrated like HR is. I think when you work in a big corporation, you know, human resources is one of the most underrated functions in, in the entire company, right? Again, if you work for a big company, you've got a big brand, um, people are applying to you left, right and center. You've got piles of, of, of CVs to look through because everybody's just applying to you. And again, you can afford to sort of pick the top people and, and sort of like motivating them and getting them to work hard and, 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 and sort of getting the best uh, out of this talent pool. It's, it's very simple. But when you are like this tiny little company with zero branding, trying to fight against all these other companies with much deeper pockets. So attracting talent is hard. And then once you've got, once you manage to get this talent, sort of motivating them and retaining them is even harder. So so I think human resources was one of, is, is really one of the most underrated things and, and one of the most, actually one of the most challenging things that, that I guess I, I didn't expect, right? So, so my perception of actually all these sort of Googles and Facebooks now is like, you know, yeah, sure, they're great tech companies, but at the same time, actually what they're really good at is actually managing talent, right? Whether it's their office perks or, or mm. their culture and things like that. So I think that's, that's something which, which uh, I really did not consider uh, beforehand. So how have you been dealing with it? Has your leadership style changed over time, like your team management skills? Yeah, I think, I think it's still horrible. Uh, <laughs> I think I still, sure I still, I still, yeah, and I think I still have a lot more to improve. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a process. And I think I'm hope, hopefully I'm, I'm continuously improving upon it, trying to, trying to learn a bit more about it on the side, whether it's reading books or speaking to other, other founders and learning from their management styles and techniques. I mean, I think I would say that there's no sort of management style which, which is uh, one size fits all. 
So I think uh, really it also depends on sort of who you're managing and their working style, and you it's it's important for you uh, as a manager to adapt as well, right? Mm. So I think I think that's something which which I'm actively trying to do. I hope yeah, I'm actively improving upon. So are there structures or processes you're put in place that enables this kind of interactions or communication? Yeah, I mean, I think I think especially now when when everybody is going remote. I think it's important to have like all these, I mean, structures and, and processes are, are even more important now. So whether it's your weekly one-on-one check-ins, uh, your all-hand meetings, I think it's almost, it's almost even more important to over-communicate to a certain extent so that, yeah, you know, because a lot of things can, when you don't have that physical interaction, you know, a lot of things get, get lost. So yeah, the importance of over-communicating, making sure that everybody knows or you know what everybody else is up to. And I think also, for me, it's like, I think one important thing is also don't forget the human element of things. So for example, like the one-on-ones is like, my first question is always like, how are you? How's the family? You know, how, how are you surviving now in COVID, right? How's is your mental, is your mental state okay? As opposed to actually like diving straight in, oh, you know, what, what deadlines have you met? Blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, how big so is I your team now actually? Oh, we've got about slightly over a hundred people now. And you conduct one-on-ones with all of them? <laughs> oh, no. So not, not all of them. So, so I guess those people who are, who are sort of directly, oh, directly okay, under, okay. yeah. But not, not everybody. Yeah. Okay. So are you based in Singapore or Indonesia? I would say both. So it's, it's 50-50. I shuttle back and forth uh, a lot. As in when a lot of it is, is, is meeting dependent. So I would have some meetings here in Singapore. I have some meetings there in Indonesia. So I shuttle back and forth uh, wherever I'm needed. Okay. So throughout your entrepreneurship journey, is there something you are working towards? Or is there like an end goal you see for your company? Oh, uh, yeah. I think for us as a, as, a, as a company, I think what we want to do is we want to make sure that we, we are able to, to touch every single sort of university student in Indonesia. So I think for us, we started off with this whole finance piece, right? So helping them to get, to get uh, better access to quality education. But I think right now, when we, as the more and more we've, we've, we've sort of worked with our customer, uh, we, we realized that there's a lot of other sort of needs which are, and problems which are unmet. So for us, you know, we want to sort of build almost like the, the super app for university students in Indonesia, right? And make sure that we've got a touch point where we've been able to touch every single one of them and, and have a positive impact on, on their life. And I think that's sort of the, the main goal which we're working towards as a company. Okay. So coming from someone who didn't tend to pursue entrepreneurship from the start, right? Do you have any advice for people who are either trying or considering the career path? Yeah, I think, I, think, I mean, to be honest, there's no better, better time to start than, than now. Right. So, so I think, I think it's, it's, for me, it's, it, I think if you, if you have an idea and, and you want to pursue it, I think just try, right. You know, fortune favors the brave, take the risk. And I mean, touch wood again, even if you fail in whatever, three to six months, there's a lot of important lessons you learn along the way. Again, you, 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 for me, it's like, I've been able to see multiple facets of the business, right. I mentioned hate charges now, which was, which I was not attuned to. Um, there's a whole legal aspect of things which you wouldn't have understood before. Obviously, the technical part before this, I never had any experience programming and things like that. So you actually learn a lot. And I mean, I, I would say like, yeah, during this, this four years or even, even within my first year right, of, of doing the business, I learned much more than my one year 
graduating school doing an MBA, which is supposed to teach you all about business, right? So I think don't be afraid, go for it. And yeah, I think, I think just try. It's, it's, it's probably going to be one of the most, it's going to be one of the most stressful, but yet one of the most rewarding things that you can do. So I'm sure there have been up and downs throughout the business, right? How do you deal with it when you're at the downs or like things are not going that well? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, to sort of keep positive sometimes, but I think it's also important to, especially in those down periods, it's very important to, to keep reminding yourself of the small wins. So it could be anything like anything small, right? So it could be like, oh, you got more, like, I don't know, 10% more sales today, for example, right? Or I managed to, to, to close a, a good negotiation with, with a partner, right? So I think all these small incremental wins remind yourself of, of the progress and, 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 and sort of the good change that you're making. So I think always just, just be cognizant of that. Uh, remind yourself of these small wins that helps. If not, I think another thing is talking to, to you know, could be investors or partners and, and talking to them and, and them reminding you of sort of the good work that you're doing as well. That's, that's very helpful. So yeah, I think, I think again, just, just reminding yourself of all these small, small positive changes that helps keep it going. Okay, I'll end off this this one last question, which is, what does success look like to you? Oh, what does success look like to me? Wow, many different things. I think for us, we want to make sure that we have, again, a positive experience for all our customers. So this is for the business side, right? So I think, we, again, positive, make sure that all our customers have, have a good impression of us and that we'll be able to impact them in a positive way. And for me, I think personally, I think success is always just, again, trying to improve myself and hopefully improving myself every day by getting better day to day. I think that would be, that'd be great for me. Okay. Thank you very much for your sharing. And I really enjoyed it. There were many interesting yeah. insights to it. And hopefully no we get to meet up once this whole thing is over, man. Okay. Take care. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.